He wanted to check on the arm of the chair. <laughs> and I wish I still had the check because it was like falling off and all yeah. this other thing. And he wrote it and gave us the check. And, you know, we were a little suspicious. So we checked it and it cleared. Guy drops 25 grand and then it just disappears. In today's episode of the Defying Odds podcast, you're about to listen to a conversation I had with Michael Mattis. He's a local business owner here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and he's ran and operated a marketing company for the past 25 years that now has 27 employees. We talk about how he got into the business, what allowed him to continue to grow and scale over the past 25 years, and some of the craziest stories that he's ever dealt with. Thank you for coming on. And I really appreciate, uh, first off, us meeting and you taking the time to come onto the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's start with a little introduction and I, not just business, because obviously we're going to talk about that a lot, your experience at Tower. Um, but yeah, a little introduction to you, who you are, what you do for work. How far do you want to go back? <laughs> it's funny. I feel like I've told these stories a bunch of times. Um, and some of the people who watch this later are going to be like, oh, that story again. You know, we will get into Tower, but I think some of the things that are kind of, I guess, interesting is where the the seeds kind of started right from the get go. Um, when I was when I was little, I was always drawing, 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 drawing. And, you know, for those who know me, I was actually a designer um, kind of coming out of school. Um, but I didn't really I wasn't like predestined for that, you know, uh, I wanted to be a cartoonist. I wanted to draw cartoons in the worst way. And my mom basically said to me, she goes, you're not going to make a living at that, you know, in the, the papers, uh, the newspapers. And uh, she goes, I'll go up to New York, you know, when you're 30 and you'll be on the you'll be on the sidewalk drawing chalk drawings, you know, on the <laughs> yeah. side. Yeah. And she's like, that's how you're going to make your living. You're going to have a little hat there and people will be pitching coins in there. Um, but, you know, kind of you know, fast forwarding a little bit, you know, I, I was going to be an architect and, uh, the, there's things called weed out classes in college, you know, that, uh, I didn't even know what they were. I mean, nobody really sets you up for those things. It's just like you go into a classroom and there's 20 seats and there's 40 kids in the class. We're like, how is this going to work going? And then I was like, ah, like the next class, it was down to 30. And then the next <laughs> class, it was down to 20. And I was just like, okay. So then you start asking around, you're like, how does this work? And they're like, yeah, it's a weed out class. And uh, so I was like, I'm like crap. And, and my, it was a calculus class. And my calculus teacher was tough. She was really hard to understand. And she wanted to focus on a few people. And she's like, yeah, you're not, you're not going to make this. So I had to drop it. Basically I couldn't be an architect anymore. So I had to find something else. And, um, that same semester it came through that, um, I was going to be a graphic designer and, uh, the graphic design class was just like eye opening for me, but I didn't find out until I found out that that class was also a weed out class <laughs> and the professor just, you know, they isolate people. They're like, that person's not going to make it that person. And then they make sure that they kick them out. And we were about three projects in and I used this speech at my, uh, 25th anniversary that we just had. And, uh, I told everybody, I, I, I'm going to spit this story out for those, those people who are, you know, tower people just kind of fast forward to this section. Um, but the, the class was, um, or the project was postage stamps and everybody got a theme, you know, to pick a theme out of a hat and, 
everybody was getting these awesome themes like uh, Olympics and um, like famous landmarks. And I got buildings, just buildings, just <laughs> cubes. Yeah. And the thing is, it had to be a series of four stamps and they had to be spring, summer, fall, winter. And uh, the the buildings was kind of like the thing that you had to put in there. So I'm like, so what am I going to do? Put a building with snow on it, a building in leaves, you know, so I was really baffled. Yeah. So I kind of leaned into my cartoonist thing a little bit. And I also had figure drawing at the same, the class at the same time. So I was going to weave all this together. So I'm like, I'm going to show her because she's giving me a rough time. And it, we, we'd have these critiques and they were like bloodbaths. And I'm like, I'm going to think outside the box and I'm going to wow her. So I came up with this character. His name was Bill Ding. And he was a guy who, had, so I put Bill Ding, gave him arms and a legs. He was just a cube. He had no face, but I gave him skis for winter. I had him uh, like playing in leaves for fall. Uh, spring was a kite. And summer he was uh, uh, surfing. So thought this was brilliant <laughs> yeah. i thought it was brilliant i'm like nobody is gonna think that far so i went up there and i uh put it up there went up there told them my concept i'm like this is building and uh she hated it really? she failed me on the spot what? she goes you did not follow the directions i wanted you to put a picture of like the united nations building and put a red background i'm like that's so boring yeah and i basically found failed that class and, um, but the thing that came out of that was like, I'm like, damn it, I'm going to be a designer because that's what I needed to be. And I found out too late. Um, so it all kind of worked out, yeah. you know, um, that teacher was not the nicest one to me, but got all the way through it. And, uh, you know, dreams happen anyway. Mm -hmm. So became a designer, you know, ultimately. When I came out of school, the internet was huge and, you know, you could get a job anywhere because they're like, you know, oh, you can build websites. You know, these things are called websites. I mean, yeah. dating myself, but they're like, come on right in. And uh, that's what kind of fueled everything, you know, that actually spawned Tower because doing work, you know, you know, at my regular job. And then I'd run home, work another eight hours at night building websites over and over and over and over and over again so um i had two this is segueing right into tower so if you yeah. want to ask another question we can but no the next question is how do you get into business so you're yeah on track yeah well good hey <laughs> yeah. it's like i studied for this yeah <laughs> um so i had two partners um they actually formed the company um first i actually came in later um one was kind of like an it guy the other one was a developer um, and I was a designer, so it kind of worked great. We had like the, the trifecta. Yeah. We could pretty much do everything. And uh, like I said, we were just doing stuff hand over fist because everybody wanted a website. Back then, nobody had them. And they're like, where do I get one? And, you know, there were no, there were no website builders like Wix. And mm -hmm. um, we were still building everything um, from scratch. So that's really where it kind of all kind of came to a head. And, uh, I would say by about 2003, um, we kind of went full time on it. We just kind of ditched our jobs, which is terrifying. Yeah. 
um, we gave ourselves a date for like January one, you know, we're all going to switch over, um, and just kind of go headlong into this thing. And that's what we did. And we were still, I mean, economy was still good and we didn't have that recession until about 2008, 2009. Yeah. Um, but we were small enough to kind of get through that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where it started. At what point in that process did you make the decision that you actually wanted to be a partner, not just work for them as a designer? You know, it's funny because a lot of people ask me that and it's, um, I don't think it was ever like a second thought for me. Yeah. It was always, no, 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 that's what I'm going to do. Um, because at my previous job, I was like the coordinator and the account executive and the business dev person. I mean, we were doing it all anyway. Yeah. It's just like, why should we do it for somebody else? So um, my wife in 2003 told me, she's like, we're going to do it, do it now. Because if it takes off, fantastic. But if it fails, you know, we don't have any kids, mm -hmm. we don't have a house. So we're like, boom. So it was never even a second thought. Yeah. It's still to this day. It's like, nope, this is never going to fail. We're just we're, we're doing this because that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you build tower over the years and when did you become, I'm a, are you 100% owner now? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. how did that happen? So my other two partners got great jobs. Um, one at the time, I think it was working at the morning call in Allentown. The other got, um, like head of it at Kutztown university. So, you know, Again, it was still kind of the, the Wild West and everybody was, you know, getting these great jobs. And yeah. but I was like, no, 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 no. towers in my blood. I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. And it was really hard. Um, screwed up a lot. <laughs> you know, they always say two steps forward, one step. Absolutely. It is. Um, you just have to you have to fail to learn. And I did that. <laughs> over and over and over yeah but you keep falling forward and that's really where it kind of came from and a lot of it is common sense um if you don't have common sense you're not going to survive no matter what yeah but i at a certain point um i figured out i have to surround myself with good people um that i can trust and lean on and basically you know give them segments of the business to kind of keep expanding I don't think I learned that lesson until, let's say, 2016, 2017. I, mean, I got some really good people, um, the best team I've probably ever had. It's just um, diverse, talented, driven, um, good people, fun people. Um, and you just can't buy that. I mean, the team that we have is, is everything. It's yeah. who you are. Um, and the other thing that I think that the key to our success was just transparency is just telling people it's like look this is how it is you know right or wrong but you know that way i don't have to go home and you know I could put my head in the pillow and i sleep fine yeah so now when we have and, and you know we've had really good success you know um for a number of years now um and i think we're just fortunate to you know be in that position so how early on did you become the sole owner about 2006 okay so very so, early on yeah a few years in yeah so it's about 15 16 years now yeah and yeah. then since then since you became sole owner what were uh, you answered this question for me when we first met what was the biggest factor in going to in going like in becoming creating tower to what it is today 
What's the biggest factor? Gosh, I hope I remember the answer it's the same way. Because <laughs> if you ask me tomorrow, I'll yeah. probably answer it differently. Yeah. I mean, you said patience just took time. It and did. that really stuck with me because you're like, it just, we've been doing it for 25 years. Yeah. And it's funny because once you get to a certain point, you'll look back and you'll be like, holy shit, we've been doing this for how long? Yeah. Um, and then you really start thinking like, okay, there were moments. There are more moments that, you know, transform the company. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that you learn and just kind of keep taking, like I said, falling forward, falling forward. Yeah. Over those past 25 years, what have been your biggest challenges? And this doesn't need to be just in tower, but in your life in general with growing a successful company. Oh, that's deep. Yeah. Um, what are the biggest challenges? Growth. Growth is the biggest challenge because, look, I don't have a, a degree in running a business mm -hmm. or accounting or any of those things, which is when you can't do those things, you got to find people that can. Yeah. Um, or you figure it out. And I'm just one of those people that I just love to figure things out. Um, and things make a lot of sense. And, you know, when you're putting a puzzle together, you start with the edge and you start filling in. That's really, you know, what I try to keep doing. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say there's like one thing. There's probably lots of keys, lots of keys. Yeah. 25 years is a long time. Yeah. And it's been a blink. You know, they always say the older you get, the faster time goes. It's absolutely true. Um, you know, I remember like the, we had a 20th anniversary party. It felt like it was like, you know, six months ago. Yeah. It was five years ago. That's pre-pandemic, which is, you know, also yeah. kind of a lifetime ago. Yeah. Do you have any horror stories throughout the last 25 oh years God. of growing it? There are some that I can't even share here. But yeah. I mean, we've had, we had a company one time. They approached us and uh, they were, the, the owner of the company was working in Washington and we, we met him at a, at a restaurant, which was like halfway between here and there. It's just the way we kind of worked it out, but they wanted all, he wanted all this stuff. He was a, it was like a software scanning um, company. And this was, I want to say this is like 2010, 2011. And this was right after, well, it's still kind of. I mean, the Iraq war was still a thing and, you know, terrorism was a big thing. And we were still worried about like bombs being smuggled into the country through the cargo containers. Well, this guy had a company that would scan the cargo containers and do software and all those kinds of things. He worked for the Pentagon. He had security cl clearance that was through the roof. And um, so we met him at a restaurant. Um, he's like, yeah, I need all the stuff. I need a logo. I need a brochure. I need a website. Went down right down the line. We're like, I couldn't even write fast enough. He wanted all this stuff. And uh, so he said, what do you think it's going to cost? I'm like, ah. he goes, I'll write you a check for $20,000. I'm like, I, look, I don't, I don't really know what that's going to. He's like, okay, $25,000. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so he wrote the check. He wrote the check on the arm of the chair. <laughs> and I wish I still had the check because it was like falling off and all yeah. this other thing. And he wrote it and gave us the check and you know we were a little suspicious so we checked it and it cleared so we went back we did all this work to this day i still have all this work sitting in a in a in a package because the guy disappeared no no email wouldn't return calls he had a cell phone he gave me a cell number um 
everything. And one day I called a cell number, it was disconnected. Um, we we kind of looked him up online to see if we could find his address, see if we could get you know in t- contact with his wife. I mean, we were a little worried because we're like we were paid for work that he never received, so yeah. we were gonna you know give him whatever we had. Um, and there was no, there was nothing. Guy vanished to this day. I still don't know what happened to him. And like I said, he was involved in the Pentagon. Uh, he wasn't an old guy. Yeah, I would say he was in his you know late forties but seemed in good shape. We were checking the obituaries for crying out loud. Just disappeared, gone. So to this day, (laughs) okay, cool. There it was. That's so weird. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of that happening. Yeah. Guy drops 25 grand and then just disappears. So I don't know. He, he, so he would go overseas sometimes um, because the software um, needed to be good in other countries. And, you know, you make up own, your own stories about what happened. And maybe he just went overseas and just never came back. Yeah. So, I don't know. To this day, just missing. Huh. MIA. <laughs> so, with Tower, I guess this could be with your life, too, because obviously entrepreneurship consumes your life. And this is not necessarily talk just about Tower, but it's talk about you. Like, what's been your greatest accomplishment over the past few years? You know, it, it's kind of funny because the business on its own was always like, I was a driver, I was a driver, I was a driver. And then at a certain point, I kind of mentioned about the whole thing about finding good people. Mm-hmm. It started taking a life of its own because certain people started taking pieces off and started making um, just things easier for me. So now I can kind of look at the business as a whole Um and, you know, we do these things in, uh, you know, internally, they're called strengths finders. Um, basically, they, you know, they isolate what you're good at and what you're not good at. And everybody's got different ones. I think there's factors of 30. Um, so I think my top two are like strategic and futuristic, which I'm like, thank goodness. Yeah. Because those are the two things I really need to kind of run this company. Yeah. And that's kind of where my headspace is now is... Um, just making sure we are on the forefront of everything. Um, but I mean, my fingerprints are on still everything. I like being in the trenches with everybody. It just, um, I just like feeling like I'm rowing with the rest of the team mm-hmm. rather than being in some, you know, glass cubicle and, you know, just saying, Hey, come in my office. And you know, I'm not yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, I'd rather people see what I'm doing and I want to see what they're doing. And yeah. you kind of just, uh, it's just you're more connected yeah i think is what it is yeah and from going to your space a few times first off i love the space it's awesome yeah it's what i dream of having yeah um and the team and everything is just super cool atmosphere but i also noticed that your desk is with everybody else's yeah right in the middle you're not separated i I love it and my desk isn't any bigger than anybody else's yeah and i did that for a reason now I will say um, there's only two windows in like the work area, so I do have one of the windows. So <laughs> I did get big, I did get to pick my uh, yeah my space. Um, so you know there is a little perk there, but for mm-hmm. the most part, you know, um, just one of the one of the gang. Yeah. Over the years and building that team of people who can make your job easier, so you can focus on the business. What did you look for in hires? So there's a great. Um, meme that says 
we uh, we hire on attitude. I, we can teach um, skills. And I, I think that's so true. Um, you can tell um, when people are driven and, you know, it's not like the the resume will tell us this, the things that they know. It's a developer. It's like, okay, we do BHP. They, okay, great. Um, but I want to know how good are you at working with other people? You know, um, you know, we have three core values and this is not a tower video <laughs> by any yeah. means, but we hire on it. You know, I want to know that you're passionate. I want to know that you're curious and I want to know that you're selfless because passionate people love what they do and will be around forever. Curious people will constantly reinvigorate their skills and selfless people will be great to work with. And that's really what we kind of look for. So we're interviewing the person. I can see what you do on a resume. I can see yeah. what you've done. Um, but we weren't always like that, you know, um, we were looking at their resume and they're like, Oh, okay, well they can do this and they can do that. Certain skills can be taught, but if you're a good teammate, you're a good leader, that's tough to find. And yeah. you know, so. So take me into tower a little bit of like the specifics of what you guys do. So, I mean, as a designer, we kind of came out of the shoot, um, websites, it was websites, websites, websites all the time. And, the internet marketing was always kind of there, but it was never at the forefront. Um, and I think that becomes, you only learn how to be in business um, the longer you're in it because you know how you want to sell it only over time. You know, it would be so easy. It's just like, okay, great. I want to, I want to sell a website or, um, but knowing how long those things take and what the pitfalls are and questions to ask, it's, uh, you know, it only comes over time, but, you know, really for, for us now it's, we do branding, we do websites and we do internet marketing. A lot of people have websites now. They're not great. So you have to redo them. Mm -hmm. Um, but the internet marketing is, you know, truly where our business is, um, just keeps growing in leaps and bounds. Yeah. But we do a lot of branding now. Um, I think people are starting to really see the, the value in it. Um, not that they didn't before, but even, you know, even smaller businesses are like, well, we just want to start um, good right off the bat rather than kind of growing into things. And, you know, that's encouraging to see. But yeah. when you kind of take all that and kind of wrap that together, that's where, you know, magic really happens for us um, and for the client, too. Because when you can kind of control all those pieces, when it looks great, you have a website at the core of your marketing and mm -hmm. then you kind of wrap these things around with all these initiatives that are sending people into the website. That's the cool part. Yeah. Yeah. And this question's for me because I you already helped me a little bit with it, but when you were growing, how did you basically verify your value and set pricing according? When we first met, we were talking about pricing for my video services because we're still talking about working together. And you gave me a bunch of pointers and it's something, pricing is something that I feel like I always am undercharging, but at the same time, I always feel like I'm also overcharging. So how did you get over that when growing? So... I mean, at first, you know, you kind of have your idea of what an hourly rate should be. And then you kind of say, okay, I can do that in six hours, or I can do that in 50 hours if it's, a, you know, a bigger project. And that's kind of where you start. And then over time, you know, you start developing spreadsheets, you know, and then 
but that the great thing with like having a spreadsheet or a system is that you start to become systematic with your pricing, but it also kind of brings other factors in, you know, like, um, accounting or project management or coordination as your team kind of gets builder, uh, mm -hmm. bigger. So you have to account for all those hours. So then your prices go up. But I think the thing is, is when you kind of throw a dart and you say, look for, I'll just use a video. I'm not going to say, I'm, I'm not going to know what necessarily the price of this thing. Well, let's just say it's $15,000 for a video. Mm. If you can have the justification in the back of your mind as to how you came up with that, because it's 72 hours and it's at this price. So if somebody calls you on it, at least you can say, well, here's my spreadsheet. You're not yeah. going to do that, but you can say, this is my justification for yeah. it. Then you're okay. But if you kind of just throw darts at it, that's when you start to get into trouble. Yeah. Um, so look, and I will say we kind of stepped into, um, I would say we had pricing issues, um, probably midway where we just weren't charging enough. Yeah. And we had like a boatload of clients, um, that we were, you know, all that were on retainer and I'm like, I need to, and, and then what we did is for about a month, we just sat down and we crafted what it should be, what it is, what it isn't, what we will do, um, like change our terms and conditions, all this stuff. But it got us thinking on how we should price it. And I'm like, oh my God, it's four or five times higher than it is right now. I gotta go back to all those clients and say, I can't charge you that anymore. I'm losing money on it. And I did, and I lost all of them but one. <laughs> really? So, but here's the thing. Um, we got, we were, it, the, the idea of what we wanted to sell and how we wanted to sell it was so ingrained in our brains. We went out, we started spewing it to everybody and we started convincing people because we were so knowledgeable about it. And suddenly, um, we got like three or four clients at four or five times the, the cost that we were charging before. Yeah. And now we're like, huh, now we got something. Um, and that's that's where things pretty much changed for us as a business. Yeah. That's where our growth just went boom. Mm -hmm. Um, just because, you know, we had all this more, um, revenue, which allowed us to go out and get more people. Yeah. And just, that's what it's always ebbing and flowing yeah. is I need revenue to get people and then I need people to get revenue. It's just keeps kind of going back and forth. Yeah. Cash flow is definitely the fuel for business. Sure is. Yeah. Yeah. And you need to, you, and honestly, you need to know where your cash is coming from at all times. Um, I kind of mentioned that I sit in the, you know, the studio with everybody else, but the, all the accounting and operations, um, I mean, I'm still heavily involved in that because I need to know from a 30,000 foot perspective where all that is coming from. Yeah. So, and then it, when, you, when you get to a point like I said, I think it was about 2017, it starts having a life of its own and it starts generating things on its own, which is the exciting part. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the future of Tower and the future of you? The future of Tower. I, you know, sometimes people ask me that and I'm like, we're going to keep doing what we're doing because <laughs> yeah. it ain't broke. Yeah. Don't fix it. Um, you know, and I kind of mentioned curiosity as one of our core values. I mean, we're always mm -hmm. needing to keep ahead of those things. So when new things like social media come up or yeah. even pay-per-click for a certain extent, you know, we can have a whole conversation on 
the history of PPC and what it looked like and all those kinds of things. Um, but our clients expect us to be ahead of that curve. Um, and that's where we're going to continue to be, um, you know, viable in the future. You know, we're still growing. I mean, the funny thing is, is the, uh, the pandemic, um, you know, kind of showed us that we can be more remote. You know, we only have 21 spots in our studio. Well, now we have 27 employees. Yeah. So we're just kind of going where we kind of busted through the, the barrier of what we were able to hold. And, I, you know, the, the pandemic didn't have too many good points to it. But the one thing it did do for us is show us that we can be um, more hybrid and all our people are hybrid now. Um, the cool thing is, is the way our spaces are laid out is we have some people coming and going. Um, it's almost like a common workspace kind of thing. Yeah. Um, some people who are there every day, um, you know, get to keep their spaces. But um, that's really where that goes. I mean, the future for me, um, I wrote a book in college. It was like a fantasy fiction kind of thing. Um, Lord of the Rings-esque. And it came out of a, a history lesson that I heard in college. Who actually the professor actually said she goes this would make a great book now the whole thing is totally changed whatever that history lesson was but i think um you know once i kind of get to retirement i'll probably jump back into that um i rewrote i rewrote the whole thing now there's three books but i want to work with a writer and i want to work with a um like a character design designer um and start building that out and build like a kick-ass website that kind of promotes it and do social. And that's probably what I'll do. That's my passion. So Awesome. Yeah. With with the change of technology over the years, because you've been in business for 25 years, obviously there's been a big change. How were you making sure that you were staying on top of all those things? Whew. Like, is there a process that you do consistently where you're like, okay, here's this new platform. Do we need to consider this for our clients? Yeah, or? I'll tell you what. I, it's... um listen to your team because the people who are doing the work are the ground troops and they know they'll know way before you will and having the willingness to listen and and it gets it gets harder the older the company gets and the bigger it is because you know at a certain point it's like you know turning an aircraft carrier around it's not not the easiest thing to do yeah. but when you're small and nimble do it you know if somebody mm -hmm. says this is because look you know ages ago we had our own um content management tool for websites we had our own newsletter tool um we had five tools that we were kind of that we built and that we were utilizing into websites and then this little thing called wordpress came about <laughs> and look, honestly mike went kicking and screaming on that i'm like we just put all this money into all this and now we're doing that and they're like, this is the way we got to do it. And, you know, probably took about two weeks when I was just like, all right, let's do it. You know, yeah. and we did. And I'm thankful we did because otherwise, you know, um, once you become a dinosaur, you, you go extinct. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, another reason that I sit out there is just listen to your people because they're the ones doing it. And when you have... 27 pairs of eyes looking at things all over the internet that deal with what you do, they're going to see it first. Yeah. You know, um, you know, it's just like anything, your cameras, your lighting, all this stuff. It's, um, 
it's going to be outdated in two years. So mm -hmm. what's the next best thing? Well, hopefully in two years, you're not doing this anymore. You're like, you know, going out and getting business yeah. or, you know, just something higher up and you got fleet of guys in here exactly. doing editing and all those kinds of things. They'll tell you what you should buy yeah. and listen. That's all I would say is just listen. Awesome. Yeah. And my final question is definitely for me, what's advice, advice from you for me owning a video production company? I've been in business for four or five years. Just any any, you know, piece of advice. Advice. Uh, follow your instinct. If it makes if it makes sense to you in here, um, it probably makes sense to somebody else who will hire you. And I, I mean, I've said it many, many times. Even as it's just like, gotta trust my instinct on this. You know, my instinct's telling me this. Um, I mean, sometimes it's wrong, but for the most part not especially with business which is like i said a little bit more common sensey i can use that as a word yeah. um you know if you would do it for yourself then a client will be like yep that makes sense to me too yeah um not only that but people love um when you learn lessons because then you'll go out and you'll tell those lessons to other people and they'll be like yeah totally totally get it we went through that um so just staying true to yourself, listen to that intuition, um, keep pushing through. Um, don't get lazy. You know, some, some businesses do just get lazy with it and they're like, eh, it all, it's all it is. It's all it's going to ever be. Um, always expect more of yourself. I mean, you know, uh, one of our, our, our art director said we were talking today and He's like, if you ever think that you're a good designer, probably not. So I thought it was just like, yeah, don't ever be satisfied with that. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing with like, you know, being a good businessman. If you think you're a good business, you're probably not. Yeah. Probably some room for improvement. There's always room for improvement. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys so much for listening to this conversation. If you enjoyed it, if you got any sort of value out of it, please take a few seconds of your time to like this video if you're on YouTube or give us a five-star review if you're on Spotify or on Apple. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next week.